We have to conclude that Lot was a saved man, but living a carnal and wicked lifestyle. Where's the lesson for us? Beware of carnality. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, as well as the host of In Grace Radio and TV. Hi, this is Jim Scudder. Welcome back to In Grace. We call our program In Grace because we believe in grace. We believe in the grace of God that covers, pays for our sin. No one deserves eternal life. We are all sinners. We've all gone astray. The best we can offer God, our very best, is filthy rags. But God, in his love, sent his son to die for us. His righteousness had to be satisfied and he died for us, and that's grace. And if you you trust in Jesus, put your faith in him, you are saved by grace through faith. And that's the message of hope. That's why we call our program and our ministry in grace. And we hope that you are in grace as well. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about homosexuality. Today, we're gonna talk more about it because there's a really good Bible question I was asked, and I'm answering Bible questions in a series called Answers. How was Lot more godly and faithful than the homosexual men in Sodom and Gomorrah when he offered up his daughters to them? Well, that's a profound question. And we're going to talk about carnality today and how you know Christians can do some of the, the craziest, most awful things. So we have to make sure we are walking with Christ. But salvation is a gift and it's by grace. So we're going to talk about that. And another question is about the rapture. And uh, I love talking about end times and the raptures. We'll talk about these things and more today here on In Grace. And then don't forget, In Grace has some really wonderful travel opportunities. We are just coming off a cruise to Alaska, uh, In Grace cruise. We're also going to go to Israel in February. Now that trip's already full. There's a waiting list, but you can get on the next one in 2025, our In Grace trip to Israel in February. You can go to our website, ingraceradio.com, ingraceradio.com, and click on travel. The next question is this. How was Lot more godly and faithful than the homosexual men in Sodom and Gomorrah when he offered up his daughters to be raped? That's a really good question, right? So let's talk about this. Uh, Who was Lot? Well, he was the nephew of Abraham. Abraham was called out of his homeland, Ur, and he traveled to a new land that God had told him to go. He believed God. And the Bible said it was counted unto him for righteousness. I believe at the same time, Lot, who came with him, his nephew, did the same thing. Okay, he believed in God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, there they were in in the promised land that would later be theirs, you know, after the exile to Egypt and and coming back into the land, their descendants would be back, and that would be their land. When Abraham was there, it was sojourning. He was there living in tents, and he was grazing, and they would have to move around. Well, they were prospering, and Lot and Abraham's flocks were starting to conflict with the best ground, and so Abraham did the stand-up thing, and he said, "Uh, nephew, you choose one way, and I'll choose the other way. And nephew looked up, his nephew Lot looked up, his eyes and saw the well-watered plains of Sodom. So this is the Dead Sea Valley. It's the African Rift Valley in Israel and over in Jordan in that whole area of the Dead Sea. It was obviously not the Dead Sea at that time. It was lush, it was watered, and it was beautiful. And Lot, although he, I'm sure, knew that there was wickedness down there, he chose the green grass. So there was a 
problem there. And then he not only moved to the area, he eventually moved into the city. He was attracted, I don't think by the sin, but he was attracted by the life that you could live, maybe the luxuries, the comforts. And so eventually, in his carnality, uh, he moved into Sodom. And then in Genesis 19, God is going to now destroy these two cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. There were two angels, verse 1, that came to Sodom at even or evening, and Lot sat in the gate. So he was an elected official. The gate was kind of like the courthouse. And so he was there in uh, power and, and influence, although I don't think he was influencing them for righteousness. Okay? He probably was just kind of going with the flow, not necessarily participating in it, but not coming against it. You can actually live a pretty nice life until you go against the sin. Now people are not going to like you. You won't be sitting in the gate anymore, I'll tell you that, if you come out against some of the sins in Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. He would then bring him into his house uh, and discover that they were angels. Something you have to remember as we go through this story, in the Eastern culture, hospitality was a really important responsibility. And also, not just providing for your guests their food and, and their rest, but also protecting them, okay? So this is absolutely a huge thing to them in that culture. They would go to a lot of sacrifice to protect a guest. And uh, Lot was going to be told that the city was going to be destroyed. Now, why was God gonna destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Uh, it's very clear from our context that it was because of a serious, most egregious sexual sin. There's lots of sexual sins. Any sexual activity outside the boundaries of one man, one woman in a covenantal marital relationship for life is sin. End of story. And if you want to argue that, you know, you're not looking at the Bible or you're twisting the words of the Bible. What's the very worst of these sexual sins? I mean, God destroyed these two cities because of it. It's sodomy. It's where we get that word from, right? So this is terrible what's happening in the city. And it's really terrible to hear what's about to happen, what they want to do with these men. It says in verse 4 of Genesis 19, so before they lay down, so you have Lot and the angels and, and his family in his house in Sodom, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, can pass the house around, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, where are the men which came in to, this, to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. So obviously this is couched words for know them sexually. Now, people say the sin of Sodom was that they were inhospitable. I mean, I've heard that. The guide in Israel would say that sometimes. The sin of Sodom is they were inhospitable. No, the sin of Sodom was homosexuality, okay? And the only way that you could say otherwise is if you'll just close your eyes to what God clearly says, which also probably means that you're trying to justify an action now, why is homosexuality so egregious to God? Why is it such a bad sin? Because it's against nature. It's against the way God has created us. And it's a deviant lifestyle. It's absolutely wrong. And you say, well, what if I'm in that? What if I'm in that lifestyle? I'll give you some hope at the end of this question. But the sin of Sodom was homosexuality. End of story. Then Lot... 
does the unthinkable. In verse 8, he offers his daughters that have not known men to give them to these men outside his house that are clamoring for these guests of his that you can do them as good in your eyes. I mean, we can't even comprehend such a horrible decision by a father. So, before you're too critical of Lot, let me tell you this. There are many in our world today doing the same thing. So, no, I would never do that. Well, you might send your kids to the government schools, the public schools. Now, if you have no other options, no other choices, you know, I'm not going to blast you, but I want you to rethink that and figure out a way to not send them there. Why? Because you're sending your innocent children out to wolves. Not every teacher, but the system. And many teachers are humanistic, godless, atheistic, and they're teaching atheism by teaching evolution. They're teaching your kids that they're animals. And they're actually teaching these deviant sexuality things. And they're actually, now, now we're worried about uh, a boy identifying as a girl, and now these girls are worried about these things in the locker room. I mean, it's unbelievable what's happening today. So that's really what, what we're doing too. We're throwing our kids to the wolves by sending them to public school. But now, God protected everybody. God bless uh, the fact that God is gracious and he doesn't allow a lot to do this stupid thing, horrible thing, despicable thing. But it gets worse. So they flee the city, they survive, not his wife, but they survive. And now they're living in a cave and his daughters get locked drunk and they have incest with him and they both bear sons. We can't even imagine a worse scenario than all of that, right? Well, we still see grace, don't we? We still see grace. Now, people would say, they look at Lot and they say, there's no way he's saved, right? No chance. He's offering up his daughters to these wicked men. Uh, he is getting drunk and the dangers of alcohol. I don't have to get into that. I'm glad I've never had alcohol. I've never had to worry about hitting someone with a a car while I'm drunk. I've never had to worry about beating my family. There's so much wrong with alcohol, that's a whole other sermon. But anytime we find alcohol in the Bible, we're finding tragedy. How could he be saved after all of that? Well, 2 Peter 2 in verse 7 calls him just. And that's not only Lot, it's just Lot. He was justified. Vexed with filthy conversation or filthy behavior of the wicked, he put himself in the middle of all this filthy behavior. And he was vexed in a sense. He still enjoyed the comforts, I think, but he didn't like the sin, but he wasn't willing to go against it because he liked his comfortable life. For that righteous man, so it not only calls him just, but it calls him righteous, dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day, with their unlawful deeds. We have to conclude that Lot was a saved man. We're going to meet him in heaven. About as backslidden a person as you can get. He let the flesh rule in his life. Although he put his faith in Jesus Christ, he was born again in the sense of looking forward to the Messiah, looking forward to Jesus coming, born again, saved. 
the New Testament terms that we use, but living a carnal and wicked lifestyle that didn't probably start like that. I think when he was living with Abraham, it wasn't like that, but slowly it moved toward this carnality. There's grace in the worst of the torrid affairs of men. Yeah, it's horrible what he did, but so are the things that we do. None of us are righteous because we haven't committed certain sins, because you've committed others. All of us are guilty, and all of us need to be saved. And we need to then be careful of the way we live and make sure we walk close to the Lord. Are you ready for an adventure like no other? Dive into a world of discovery within Grace's exclusive video series, Ellie's Grand Rafting Adventure. Immerse yourself in the awe-inspiring beauty of the Grand Canyon and uncover the captivating evidence of Noah's flood. This incredible series is yours when you give any amount to InGrace. Simply call 800-78-GRACE or visit ingraceradio.com. When your gift is $35 or more, you'll also receive two additional video series, a tour of Noah's Ark with Ken Ham and Ark of Noah, which explores the geological evidence that supports the Bible. For your gift of $100 or more, you can enjoy our entire Creation Series bundle, including eight sensational video series. Call 800-78-GRACE or visit ingraceradio.com. That's 800-78-GRACE, ingraceradio.com, or write to P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Don't miss out on this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Again, that's 800-78-GRACE or ingraceradio.com. The next question is this, and this is a lovely question, and I could spend a lot of time on this, and I love the person that asked this question, and this is something that's getting more traction these days. The question is this. Is the Galilean wedding a portrait of the rapture? And I will say this. Absolutely it is. And I'll do more study on this once I can find the sources, but there's enough people that I studied that I think this is right. The Galilee region had unique customs to their weddings that are even different than any other Eastern customs or even normal Jewish weddings that you would find, let's say, in Jerusalem. And there are a few unique differences. So let's go through them. First of all, they didn't date. You say, oh, I can't believe that the parents would arrange their marriage. Well, before you criticize it, I'm not saying we should do betrothal. Let's just look at how our system is working, right? We have many, many divorces. So it's not exactly like you can stand up and say, no, dating is the way to go. If you want a long-lasting marriage, the Lord will only be the one that can help us in our marriages because you have two sinners that are living as one. But God can do it. God can do it. And if you're struggling in marriage, man, just seek the Lord, seek counsel, seek advice. And if you'd put Christ in the center, your marriage would be successful. But the way they began a marriage in the Eastern culture, and this is across the board, they would have the parents... Uh, arranging this. Now, I think a good, wise dad would probably talk to the daughter a little bit about this first and the son before they just kind of do this willy-nilly. But anyways, the Galilean wedding, you'd have the father of the groom and the father of the bride coming together in the city gate. Okay, so this is a public area. You're in the city gate. You're going to now uh, talk about this uh, arrangement that is going to happen when the potential groom would take a cup with grape juice and hold it out to his potential bride. Now she, in the Galilean wedding, this is unique. 
She had the option of not taking it. Okay? You don't take it. You're not into this contract. You're not betrothed. But if she took it and drank it and gave it back, then he would drink it. And now they are legally committed to each other. Now they're not going to live together for at least a year. Okay, talk about that, right? So we kind of call it an engagement, but this is their custom and this is the way they did it. So they would go their ways for a time of preparation. The groom would go home to his house and it was customary for him then to add on to the house. You'll still see this in the Middle East. They just keep adding on to the houses a place for him and her to live. This is gonna take some time. I love some of you young men because you get married and then I see you taking over your parents' basement and building rooms and, you know, all this stuff, and you're getting all into, you know, making this great place for your, your wife. And I love that, because it really is kind of what's happening here. And it's a lot cheaper than going out and having to rent something or buy something. Just don't stay there too long. <laughs> so, also, the groom and his family also has to prepare a feast. You say, would it take a year to prepare a feast? These are grand events. This is a big deal. So the groom is preparing the room, the father of the groom, the family of the groom's preparing this feast, and the bride, she's also preparing. She's preparing herself. They're preparing a dress. This dress was a big deal. It would take a lot of time to have it made or to find the materials for it to be made. And so this was a long process. It would take up to a year. Another unique custom to the Galilean wedding. Remember, Jesus is Galilean. His disciples are Galilean. This totally makes sense to me. And this really helps understand some of the things that Jesus would say. Then only the father of the groom knew the day and the hour of the wedding. Only the father would know that. This is the Galilean custom. And what he would do, he wouldn't tell the son. He wouldn't tell anybody. When he felt like everything was ready, at night, he would wake up his son and say, go get your bride. And he would wake up. Now she knew this could happen at any moment. So now she, with her bridesmaids, have to be prepared and have to be ready. And they're literally sleeping in the attire that they're going to need for this wedding. And the son comes into her town with a shofar and blasts that trumpet. And when she hears that trumpet and the announcement that I've come to collect my bride, the people are rejoicing. They're waking up. Now, everybody is in a procession to the groom's house for this wedding. Remember, it's in the middle of the night, too. And everyone's in a procession, except she doesn't walk. The bride is carried along. Carried along. They call it the flight of the bride. They get to the house. The door is open. Everybody goes in. And then the door is closed. For seven days, no one can enter or leave that wedding feast. The Galilean wedding, a picture of Christ, a picture of the church being the bride of Christ. When the groom takes the cup back from the girl, you know what he says? I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until you come to my father's house. He said those words to her. So when Jesus is there in the upper room with his Galilean disciples, and he says, I will drink this cup again with you 
anew in my father's house, they totally understood what he was saying. And then he said, in my father's house are many mansions, John 14. He's going to prepare a place. He's gonna come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Are you waiting and longing for that day? Are you prepared? Are you preparing? Are you working hard for the time when the groom is coming back for the bride? Or maybe you've delayed. Maybe you're not paying attention. Maybe you aren't prepared. You haven't received by faith Jesus Christ. The door is closed and you will face the wrath of Jesus on this earth. Jesus died for the sins of the world. He's God in the flesh. He gave us so many beautiful pictures. How could we miss it? How can we miss it? The Bible says that we're sinners. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus had no sin. He was made perfect, never sinned. And he came and he died for our sins on a cross. And then he says, if you will just believe in me, receive me by faith, take the cup and drink it. You will be saved forever. I will come again and receive you unto myself. When you spiritually drink of that living water, the Bible says you have everlasting life. Now we can work toward making sure we're ready and doing those things that God wants us to do today because he is coming back. Let's not get sidetracked by people that are trying to twist scripture and you can find anything on the internet to support your sin, okay? God wants you to fight flesh every day of your life, but you can't use fleshly weapons. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Lord Jesus is holding that out to you. What do you have to do? Receive it by faith. Trust in him and you will have eternal life. If you have questions about salvation, about eternal life, anything that I've talked about today, please contact us. Call us at 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE. If it's after hours, leave us a voicemail or anytime go to our website, ingraceradio.com, ingraceradio.com. And we've got some really great resources that will help you, your kids, your grandkids, your nieces and nephews learn about the God of creation. And we are promoting one especially. It's called Ellie's Grand Rafting Adventure. We're going to be featuring the audio of this adventure on Friday. And uh, we want to take you along on a rafting expedition, seven days down the Colorado River in the Grand Canyon, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And you get to see not only the beauty and hear a profound testimony of a family that came with us, but you also get to hear from a PhD geologist, Andrew Snelling, how the layers and the erosion of those layers prove that the Grand Canyon and all of the geologic layers were formed by the flood of Noah, not by millions of years. So to get Ellie's Grand Rafting Adventure four-part full-length video series, either by DVD or digital download, let me ask that you donate to Ingrace. And that gift can be any amount. If it's $10, that's fine. 
we're going to thank you by sending you this powerful four-part video series. If your gift is $35 or more, I'm going to send you two more video adventures. One is called A Tour of Noah's Ark with Bodhi Hodge. The other one is called The Ark of Noah, More Than a Story. And if your gift is $100 or more, we're going to give you everything. All of the creation adventures that we filmed here at Ingrace. All these series, one is Underwater in the Keys, one's a Dinosaur Dig, one's Dr. Carl Ball's Museum. Eight powerful video adventures will be sent to you either by DVD or digital download. And again, we would just love to hear from you today. 1-800-78-GRACE or ingraceradio.com. Dive into a world of discovery with Ingrace's exclusive video series, Ellie's Grand Rafting Adventure. This incredible series is yours when you give any amount to Ingrace. When your gift is $35 or more, you'll also receive two more video series about Noah's Flood. Or get the entire eight-series creation bundle for $100. Call 800-78-GRACE. Visit ingraceradio.com or write to P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on InGrace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. InGrace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio. Radio.